Hello, my friends. You're listening to Repent and Believe podcast with Cynthia Smalls of Back to God Ministries. Welcome, my friends. Here we talk and teach the message of Jesus Christ, the only one who can claim the title of Savior of the world. We also discuss all things repentance and belief in Jesus Christ and how all these things tie into living a lifestyle where our deeds are manifested and fast and God so that we may be molded by the Father into vessels to be used for His glory. Amen. Amen. All right, so let's get started. Hey everyone, before we get started, I'd like to say thank you for tuning in. And if you enjoy my podcast, please share download, leave me a message or comment. Thanks guys. Hello everyone. This is Cynthia Smalls with Back to God Ministries. How is everyone doing today? I pray that all is well in your lives, that you are walking by faith and not by sight. You, beloved, are to never, ever, never, never Give up on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, folks, listen. I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but as we await the the soon coming of our risen King, this world has many, many distractions. It seems to be on the daily. They come up with more ways to pull your attention attention from living clean and holy lives, being consecrated unto God, so that Holy Spirit can train all of us in righteousness as He perfects us to be holy. We can't be holy if we are still attached to this world. And when I say world, I'm talking about how the Bible describes this world. This world is ran by a devil. So it is only obvious that what he values is pride, selfishness, and any and all practices that goes against and in direct opposition of God of God's holiness. Mm-hmm. And so I come to surmise that we got our eyes on the wrong things because today I want to talk about Jeremiah 17:5. When he said that cursed is the man who trusts in man. And to answer the question, why is the man who trusts in man cursed? Because our priorities, whether we know this or not, even as followers of Jesus, are out of order. And those who claim Jesus' name are not completely putting their trust in him like we 
ought to. So, rather than putting our trust in Jesus completely, some rather seek security from the world, from their jobs, from their marriages, from their bank accounts. And that got me to thinking the other night, and I posed this pondering thought over there on Facebook. Although the Lord has has brought me to a completion on that mission, he had me over there on Facebook a little while ago, but from time to time when the Holy Spirit gives me an inspiring thought, I would on special occasion go back over there on Facebook and pose a question. And so this is what I posed. Even on a humanistic level, why would anyone trust in anything this world has to offer? Especially when Satan is the God little g of this world on the face of that alone makes one weary do not be deceived our lord god affirms in this regard these biblical truths first john 2 5 to 17 father in the name of christ jesus our priority as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are to seek the kingdom of God. If our priorities are not focused there, then we will be led astray by all that is in the world. And we see in 1 John 2, 15 to 17, we are commanded, do not love the world. We are commanded, and rightly so, because you know more than we do that this wicked world will always try to pull us from your hand, and they do, and they do that in these three areas that John points out. He said, do not love the world of sin that opposes God and his precepts, nor the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust and sensual craving of the flesh and the lust and longing of the eyes and the boastful pride of life, pretentious confidence in one's resources or in the stability of earthly things, these do not come from the Father, but are from the world. The world, verse 17, is passing away. And with it, its lust, the shameful pursuits, 
and ungodly longings, but the one who does the will of God and carries out his purposes lives forever. Amen. And Father, we have 2 Corinthians 4, verses 3 to 4. But if our gospel, Paul was saying, if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Amen. And lastly, Father, we have Jeremiah 17, the text we will be talking about today, verses 5 through 8. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in and relies on mankind, making weak, faulty human flesh his strength, and whose mind and heart turn away from the Lord. For he, this person right here, he will be like a shrub in the parched desert and shall not see prosperity when it comes, but shall live in the rocky places of the wilderness in an inhabited salt land. Verse 7, Blessed with spiritual security is the man who believes and trusts in and relies on the Lord and whose hope and confident expectation is the Lord. For he, that one, will be nourished like a tree planted by the waters that spreads out its roots by the river and will, and will not fear the heat when it comes, but its leaves will be green and moist. And it will and it will not be anxious and concerned in a year of drought, nor stop bearing fruit. Amen. So, Father, this is not rocket science. We see from just these scriptures alone that if we turn to the world. And we see this example in the Old Testament where Israel, instead of turning to you for help, they turn to Egypt, Assyria, other countries, other pagan countries who knew not the living God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Instead of Israel turning to you whom they have witnessed with their own eyes, how you with a mighty hand delivered them from the bondage of Egypt, the very place they want to go for help, but you 
delivered them out of the fiery, smelting bondage of slavery. Miracle after miracle, you drowned a whole entire army. Who on second thought ran after them? Once Moses led them out from Pharaoh, on second thought, they were like, what have we done and tried to go and get their slaves? But you caused the Red Sea, thank you, Holy Spirit, to part. And that whole generation, some three million souls, traveled through that sea as if they were on dry land. And for them, not that we place in any shame because we can get it too. For them to turn their backs on you and go to Egypt for help, what they did stoked your anger. So, Father, rightly so, you have every right, of course you do, to tell the man or the woman that if they go, especially if they are in the family of God, if we are to go to the world for help, yes, Father, okay, we are in this world but we are not to be a part of it. Where we put our complete trust in them for our our sustenance and security, whatever facet of our lives. We know we have jobs that provide a paycheck. We know that we have other sources of income that comes from the world. But if that source of income suddenly stops, we don't fall apart. Because at the end of the day, our trust anyway is in you. And when we misplace our trust and put it in mere mortals, well, that angers you and rightly so. You've sent us the Lord Jesus Christ, so that when we, what, Father, put our trust and faith in him as Lord and Savior, we have no business going to the world as if they are Savior and Lord, and whatever they say, then we just line up. Now, Father, again, to keep it in context. The fact that we are in this world, yes, we abide by man's laws. We don't look to cause any friction with peacekeepers. We don't look to rail against governments and protest. We keep a low profile. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We keep a low profile as we go about seeking the lost, planting seed, watering of the gospel, so that by your will and grace, they may repent, 
turn from their wicked previous lifestyle and come to Christ, that through his atoning sacrifice on the cross, they too may be saved. So, Father, help us today. Show us that when we put our trust in anything, anyone, any place but you, we will be cursed. And my hand is the first to be raised in these things because I lived what Jeremiah talked about over here in verse 6. I lived every bit of a life of a shrub in the parched desert. I didn't see prosperity, meaning I didn't even see good when it came my way because I was too busy living in the rocky places of the wilderness in the in in the in an uninhabited salt land. I was not this wonderful tree that was so nourished by you like like a a planted firmly rooted tree by the waters that that spreads out its roots by the river that was not me I wanted that to be me but because my trust was mainly in myself for my life so yeah father you and I know how that all turned out so father today We ask for wisdom, clarity, and discernment. Show us through your love and mercy and righteousness that we are to place our trust in no one, not even ourselves. We are to place our trust in you and you alone and stand confident that you would give us the wisdom, provision, and sustenance to move about this world as we go about doing good in preaching the gospel. Bless your holy name, Father. We give you thanks, we give you glory, and we give you praise. Hallowed be thy holy name. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ for loving us so much that you gave yourself up for us. We are eternally grateful. Thank you, Lord. Even so, come, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, beloved. Listen, like Jeremiah was saying over here in the tail end of verse 8, What I say, Jeremiah 17, he says, talking about this tree who whose leaves will be green and moist. It will it will not be anxious and concerned in a year of drought, nor stop bearing fruit. So although we are in this world, it can be tempting tempting to to seek out from this world security about our futures. The Lord Jesus Christ 
said to seek first the kingdom of God. In his Sermon on the Mount over there in Matthew 6, 33 to 34, let us read it. But first and most importantly, seek, aim at, strive after his kingdom and his righteousness, his way of doing and being right, the attitude and character of God, and all these things will be given you also. So do not worry about tomorrow, the Lord is telling us. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Listen, each each day has enough trouble of his own. Amen. Beloved, listen. The verse here means, meaning, the verse's meaning is as direct as it sounds. We are to seek the things of God as a priority over the things of the world. Primarily, it means we are to seek the salvation that is inherent in the kingdom of God. Why? Because it is of greater value than all the world's riches. Does... Does this mean that we should neglect the reasonable and daily duties that help sustain our lives? Absolutely not. But for the follower, there should be a difference in attitude toward them. If we are, listen, if we are taking care of God's business as a priority, seeking his salvation, living in obedience to him, and sharing the good news of the kingdom with others, then he will take care of our business as he promised. And if that's the arrangement, where is worrying? There's no place for worrying. Amen. So, How do we know if we are truly seeking God's kingdom first? There are questions we must ask ourselves. Where do I primarily spend my energies? Mm -mm -mm. How do you spend your time, beloved? (laughs) Are you spending time getting to know the one who saved your wretched soul? Or are you spending all of your energies being entertained by worldly, secular activities? Is all, because these are some questions we must ask of ourselves, is all my time and money spent on goods and activities that will certainly perish or in the services of God, the results of which live on for eternity. Yes, we all must look over our lives, culling through it, seeing how much time are we really spending with the Father? 
Are we doing those things he has called us to do? Or are we just so busy because we got work? We got family. We got side hustle jobs. We are so self-indulged that we don't even give the Lord 10 minutes of undevoted, uninterrupted attention, time. Where are you really spending your money? And I'm not talking about tithing, so don't say, well, I'm a tither. You're supposed to be a giver, not a tither, but that's another lesson. You all know that's another lesson for another day. If if God was to make us so privy of your bank account, would we see the true transactions of your life? Because right, Holy Spirit, the true transactions of our lives are recorded in our bank accounts, how we spend that money. Are we being good stewards over what monies, whether they be large or small, are we being good stewards over the money that the Lord allows us to to have? Hmm. Because see, maybe that's why some of us are going broke because we are overspending. We are buying things that has no value once you drive it off the showroom floor. Once you take it out the store, that's it. There's no more gaining value in it. Everybody wants the new iPhone. Everybody wants the latest Jordans. Everybody wants the latest gadgets and gadgets. Only to what? Burn out and then you go back out buying more. Why? Because of covetousness. Folks, listen, we can go on and on and on. Our priorities must be on the kingdom of God. You want to know why? Jesus Christ is on his way back. And we must be prepared as a, as his church to be ready to meet the living God. We are not preparing ourselves effectively if we are too busy to sit with Holy Spirit long enough and learn how to be holy, how to be consecrated unto God, learning how to live a righteous, sensible, upright life. And if you think that's impossible to obtain, then you've, you have been successfully enmeshed in the world that you think that serving God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength is impossible to do so. Why? Because you have not learned how to crucify that flesh. So the fact that you are not completely out of the world, then you get tempted by what John told us that is all in the world. Anything this world produces that tantalize your eyes, your flesh, 
And when you go out and get those things, the pride of life shows up because now all you want to do is brag about it, show it off, put it up on the shelf and invite all to come and see your great accomplishment. So, yeah, I know, I know I sound like somebody's mother, but we must consider all the ways we take. Amen. Because beloved, beloved, those who have learned to, to truly put God first, may then rest in this holy dynamic. And all these things will be given to you as well. The Lord Jesus Christ is telling us, he's given us the key to a successful life as we await his coming. Because, beloved, the kingdom of God is all about holy and righteous living while we are here on this earth. So the Lord is giving us heavenly insight how to operate in this world, but not be a part of it. He tells us, do not worry about your life. Does that mean, well, then I can quit my job and just sit back and Jesus is going to send me a check in the mail? Absolutely not. <laughs> okay. He's saying, don't worry about your life so much to the point that you paper chase, you man chase, you woman chase, you chase after marriage, you chase after family, you chase after what this pagan world chases after without putting their trust in God. He says, you don't have to do that. He says, let me help you out. Okay. Cause y'all know I'm paraphrasing, right? He's like, look, listen, put your focus on the kingdom. Learn God's ways of being right. How to live a consecrated, holy life unto him. Learn how to live a life that is characterized by righteousness rather than by sin. Put your focus there and whatever else you need in sustenance, the Lord will provide it for you. Again, yes, we have jobs. Yes, we have families. And yes, we, to some extent, have community involvement. The Lord is not saying put yourself in a cave and just sit there <laughs> with your Bible and wait for his return. No, we are to be about in this world helping him in his harvest. So we may need to go to community events that bring glory to the Lord, okay? Because a lot of this stuff, yeah, I'm just going to say it. A lot of this stuff we claim that we are doing for the Lord is really not. 
is really for your ministry, your organization, the rising of your name. You you want the top story on the five o'clock news regarding community events. You want your name in the paper. You want a profile done on you and the works you are doing for the Lord. So the motives behind all that we say we do for the Lord, let us not forget that these things, as we stand before Jesus at the Bema seat, the judgment seat of Christ, well, all these things we are running around doing for the Lord, quote unquote, will be tried by fire, okay? So we can get ourselves all busy and just work up a good sweat. But what are the motives, the true motives as to why you do what you do? Because some people's schedules are so packed with activities they say that they are doing for the Lord, but then... There's no real substance behind it. There's no glorifying the Lord in none of it. So what are we really doing? Listen, our Heavenly Father has promised to provide for his own, supplying every need. We see this in Philippians 4.19. But his idea of what we need is often different from ours. Mm -hmm. And his timing will only occasionally meet our expectations. For example, we may see our need as riches or advancement, but perhaps God knows He knows that what truly we need is a time of of poverty, loss, and solitude. Yes, Mm -hmm. I know you want to get your social media account, as they used to say, on fleek. You want to have subscribers, downloads, followers, You want the advancing of your ministry when heaven wants you to sit yourself down because what you are striving after is not in God's timing yet. And some of us get ahead of God and then when things don't work out, We want to blame him because he gave us the vision and the prophecy. Yes, but it was for a time later. Okay, because see, God, thank you, Holy Spirit. God gives us hope about our future. He doesn't necessarily say, well, on this day, January 5th in the year 2027, you are going to be the most powerful speaker for me. No, because then if that's the case, where is faith? Have faith from the prophecy you were given. Have faith in the vision he gave you. Sometimes it needs 
to be put up on a shelf because you're not ready to handle what comes with that great assignment. Some of us are still worldly. Some of us are still covetous and greedy. Some of us are still jealous. Some of us still have anger issues. Some of us need to come up up out of these adulterous remarriages before the Lord allows that blessing to come upon you. So if you are in willful sin, then you are delaying the blessing. So there's a lot to be done. And what often happens, okay, because I'm, I'm about to shift gears here. What often happens is that scripture right there, Matthew 6, 33. False teachers, charismatics, that damnable prosperity gospel love to come here. As proof text to show you, see, this is God's will for you. A growing number, a growing number of these false teachers, like I said, who love to come here to this verse for their money grubbing proof text. They are gathering followers under the message, quote unquote, God wants you to be rich, end quote. But that philosophy is not the counsel of the Bible, and it is certainly not the counsel of Matthew 6.33. Matthew, let me bring this up closer for any pastor, prophet, teacher, evangelist, whomever, who are out here preaching that damnable gospel, let me inform you. Matthew 6.33 is not a formula for gaining wealth. Let me say it again for the one in the back. Who keeps saying, no, 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 God wants you to be rich. And I say, no, 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 God wants you to be holy because he's coming back. And your focus should not be on on temporal, material, worldly gain. Now, what you should be doing, what you, yep, yep, I'm coming for you today. What you should be doing is teaching and preparing those whom you claim God sent you to pastor over. You are to get them and yourself ready to meet God so that when he returns, we and you too won't shrink back because you know you ain't been living right. Okay, Matthew 6, 33 is not a formula to become wealthy because, folks, listen, some of you know my backstory. I came out of this damnable gospel. I, some years ago, I was on board with everything, name it and claim it, health and wealth. Oh, I too thought 
that God's will for my life is for me to be rich. So I sat up under Creflo, look, look, Dr. Creflo A. Dollar, okay, claiming him as my pastor. <sighs> Who was it? Gloria Copeland. Because Creflo loved to always point to his quote-unquote spiritual father in the faith, Kenneth Copeland. And along with Kenneth came his wife, Gloria. Little Miss Gloria loved to give, give us her poverty testimony that how her and Kenneth lived in this little shack of a place. They didn't have anything, no pots, no pans, some table that, that Ken made in shop class. That's the table that they ate on. They didn't have a bed. They slept in a cot. Her little story is that how Kenneth Copeland's mother, when she died, no, before she died, she had given Kenneth Copeland a Bible. And she wrote, I guess, on the first page, she quoted this Matthew 6.33. And so Gloria, Gloria loved to tell this story, how, how Ken would go off to work and she just home broke, busted, and disgusted, making potatoes out Making potatoes in a coffee pot. Folks, listen. I mean, see, they had to give us this long, drawn-out backstory of their poverty. As if to say, I'm just with you. I know what it was like to be broke. So she went on spinning this yarn about this scripture. How Kenneth Copeland's mother wrote that in a Bible she had given to him and so one day she happened to pick it up and she saw this and the part that resonated with her was when Jesus said that if you let's let's get the quote but first seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be given you also so Gloria in her greed and covetousness along with her husband said to herself hmm well i have need of things so the formula is well if i seek god and his kingdom then i can have the house the car and the land and so the misinterpretation according to this camp about seeking the kingdom of god it wasn't about what its true context is, that we are to seek how to be holy and righteous, seek salvation, seek God in, in all things concerning the coming kingdom, how we are to live in obedience now as we go about preaching the gospel, seeking his will. Seeking out his purpose. Oh, no, no, no. Not this camp. They taught that to seek God's kingdom 
is to find out how he does finance, meaning how does God gets money and wealth and health to us. That's what we should be seeking after, what we can get from his hand. Because when we figure out the quote-unquote method to wealth, then we can have the house, the car, and the land. And they said that God's method of operation is through tithing. That through tithing is where you can get whatever you want from God. Because after all, we are doing as they mangled this scripture, that how we get the house, the car, the land, the money, the wealth, the health, is to figure out how God does business in this area. And so they pulled out Old Testament scriptures under the law and all the blessings of Abraham that God gave to him through that covenant he had with Abraham. Okay, and they love to pull out how Abraham was so rich in gold and cattle and silver. And they love to twist Malachi 3.10 into a pretzel. And so they would cleverly, deceptively walk you through Old Testament twisted scriptures because this is how we are learning how God works. When we bring him money, then he will bless us a hundredfold. To them, that's the kingdom of God. Folks, I'm so glad that the Lord Jesus Christ brought me out of that madness and gave all of us understanding of what truly the kingdom of God is all about. And so before I run out of time, going down memory horrific lane, let us come over here to Jeremiah 17, 5 to find out why. Why is the man who trusts in man is cursed? Well, one of Jeremiah's persistent themes is contrasting those who trust in human resources and those who put their confidence in the Lord when he quoted. Now, I already quoted to y'all, right? Jeremiah 17, 5 through 8. Because the man who trusts in man is the person who rejects God and relies on his own strength and ingenuity or who looks to other people for help and rescue. Such a person is cursed with a dried up, empty life. Yes, if you don't think that's true, I'm telling you, I'm a witness. I lived every bit of this dried up, empty life because I put my trust in everything and everyone but God. Mm-hmm. And so that person is destined to experience hardship, distress, and eventually death. Listen, unlike the one who places their trust in the Lord, that person is richly blessed. 
And we are not talking about financials only. We are talking about a life well lived. This is that eternal life that Jesus says we have right now and in the future when he returns. Eternal life now is knowing God, knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. What that life looks like, yes, it may have a lot of money attached to it or it doesn't. But we are talking about a life of peace, a life of joy, a life of righteousness in the Holy Ghost. Because who was it? Paul over there in Romans. This is the kingdom of life. He described it for us. This is a life of pure contentment. Whether whether you are single or married, whether you have kids or you don't, whether you have a billion dollars in the bank or you only got $10 in the bank, whether you are working or you are retired, whether you are a homemaker or you are the CEO of a huge corporation, the life that is characterized by knowing God is a life of peace and contentment without willful sin in it. That's the life that when we put our trust in God alone, that type of life shows up. You want to know how I know? Because I am living it today. I, I'm telling you, like, if only you all can go back in time with me and see how my life was. It was every bit of a rocky wilderness. It was, it was scorched with heat. Compared to now, thank you, Holy Spirit, you right. It is like a cool water. It is like a tree that's just growing and flourishing deep rooted in the Lord where I'm attached to the vine as his branch and I am just I'm flowing I'm like literally flowing do I got bills yes do 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 I have a 13 year old who thinks he knows everything and wants to to challenge my intellect against his vastly growing mind. Yes. <laughs> okay, Caleb. But it is a stark contrast that when you live a life without worry about what's going to happen tomorrow, you can enjoy today because Jesus said that tomorrow has its own problem. (laughs) Today is enough for our plates alone. This individual strives, grows, and prospers even in the heat of challenging circumstances. And that's the difference. 
Yes, problems are going to come. But we handle them differently. Why? Because we had not put our trust in no human being, no way. Listen, the Lord never, never told us to put our trust in man. You want to know why? Man is is fallible. They are sinful, especially if they are not in Christ. Do you not know that the leaders of this godless world hates Jesus Christ? So why would we even look to them for salvation? And when when I say salvation, I'm not talking about eternal life in Christ. I'm just talking about help. Help me, president. Help me, city official. Help me, help me, help me. I live in America. I deserve to be treated with dignity. I need housing. I need medical coverage. I need this. I need that. I put you in office. You promised this, this, and this, and none of it has come to pass. Folks, listen, you can write 10 million letters. They will hit the circular file. And having worked in business for over 25 years, let me tell you what the circular file is. It is the nearest, the, the nearest trash can. Okay. Your phone calls go unanswered. Your letters get bend. No one is calling you back. So, so you can scream on social media until you are blue in the face. Okay. Maybe some local newspaper may give you five minutes to voice your concern, but that's it. The ones who you are railing against don't even know nothing about your complaint. You want to know why? They got 10,000 other complaints that they are ignoring as well. (laughs) So from heaven's perspective, we look like fools going to Egypt. Egypt is a type of the world. So we... (laughs) When we run to Egypt for help rather than God, because we can see their chariots, we can see their horses, we can see their wealth and power with the naked eye. So we believe they can help us quicker than holy God. Mm, mm, mm. Folks, that's why we have the Old Testament to serve as lessons of what not to do. Amen. Because look, listen, in Jeremiah's day, the nation's leaders were trusting in man, their political allies and leaning on the arm of the flesh. Look, Second Corinthians, I'm sorry, Second Chronicles 32, 8 says, With him is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people and the people took confidence from the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. 
Amen. And borrowing from the wisdom in Psalm 1, verses 3 to 4, he, he who, the one who trusts in the Lord, listen, he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Mm-hmm. Amen. And Jeremiah likens those who trust in God to flourishing, well-watered trees. His warning not to trust in human resources echoes Psalm 146.3. Look, do not put your trust in princes, in human beings who cannot save. Amen. So that, okay, this should be the guardrail, the boundary when we get to pulling on man for whether it be sustenance, resources, strength, a marriage, a relationship, what have you. That's why we are cursed because we turned from our alliance and loyalty from the Lord unto a mere mortal who cannot save you. Nor did they died and shed blood for you. So once we get woken up to the reality that we are commanded to put our trust in no one but the Lord. Amen. So Judah's unbelief and rejection of the Lord would turn their lives and their land into a desert wasteland. But faith and trust in God would establish them firmly planted. Establish them as a firmly planted, thriving woodland. But they didn't do that. Listen, complete dependence on God was essential to Israel's covenant agreement with God. Study Deuteronomy 28 verses 1 all the way to 68. Psalm 20 verse 7 says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Amen. And then we have Proverbs 3 verses 5 to 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. No, no, no. (laughs) He will make straight your paths. Amen. What else I got for you? Mm. Isaiah 31, 1. Whoa. To those who go down to Egypt for help and rely on horses and trust in chariots because they are many and in horsemen because they are very strong. But do not look to the Holy One of Israel or consult the Lord. Mm-hmm. The Lord God says, well, 
you're about to be in trouble. Judgment is coming on those who who turn from him and run to the world for help because we assume that they are going to help us. And many and many have found out that this world gives two flips about the average man. If you are not on board in high places with their Freemasonry, with their Illuminati, Satan-loving agenda, you ain't getting no contract. You ain't getting no contact. You are not going to be famous. You're not going to be wealthy. I'm talking about elite status wealth. You, you ain't seeing none of that. According to them, we are nothing but bottom feeders. And the ones who love Jesus Christ, according to their satanic notions, we we are not even human. So they have no problems sacrificing us. And, and I mean that literally. Because if you ever, if you ever know what they be doing behind closed doors in them caves, up there in the in the um um Swedish Alps, it will push your wig back. Get me started. I'm talking about child trafficking. I'm talking about sex trafficking. I'm talking about eating babies. Folks, listen, it is disgusting what they do in secret. All the while smiling in your face as if they are going to help you folks listen the lord has promised blessings for those who trusted and obeyed him and curses for those who rejected and disobeyed him but the jewish people and their leaders were known for turning their hearts away from the lord and trusting in man. Isaiah 2.22 Stop regarding man in whose nostrils is breath. For of what account is he? Amen. And this is how we should look at people. Now, now slow down, Smokey. Okay, that don't mean that we just treat people like garbage because we have been commanded not to trust them. I'm not talking about that because, see, some of y'all be going way overboard. Okay, we are not to put our trust in them so that if something goes down, we won't be homicidal. And suicidal towards those who harm us. Amen. Isaiah 30 verse 1. Ah, stubborn children, declares the Lord, who carry out a plan, but not mine. (laughs) Not mine. And who make an alliance, but not of my spirit, that they may add sin to sin. Mm Mm-mm-mm. The Lord is like, look at here, stubborn children. Y'all got all these plans, but they not my plans. Y'all out here making all these alliances, but no one seek the counsel of my spirit. Uh-huh. Okay. 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 Mm-hmm. Listen, time and time again, 
Israel's self-reliance and trust in man has ended in disaster. Study Numbers 1440 to 45. Hold on, let me see. How long is that? Amos 6, 8. Study that one too. But it says, The Lord God has sworn by himself, declares the Lord, the, the God of hosts. I abhor the pride of Jacob and hate his strongholds. And I will deliver up the city and all that is in it. Folks, listen up, okay? Our Lord ain't playing with none of us. None of us. Listen, I'm going to read in closing Hosea 8 verses 1 through 14 because Israel will reap the whirlwind, okay? Now, this is the God whom we are dealing with. The Lord will have a remnant of Israel. Although currently today they are on a pause, but the Lord loves Israel. And he will restore their fortunes. But for the time being, he's working with us Gentiles, his church, his body. But that don't mean we throw shade on on Israel, calling them, oh, well, they just so dumb. All they had to do was to trust God, and then they could have entered the promised land, and yada, yada, yada. Uh Uh-uh. There's a warning about us doing that, go over there to Romans. What is it? Chapters, I say, chapters 9, 10, and 11. Mm-hmm. Study that. Because although Israel is showing out now, a remnant will be saved. So, anywho, Hosea 8, verses 1 through 14. Set the trumpet to your lips. One like a vulture is over the house of the Lord because they have transgressed my covenant and rebelled against my law. To me, they cry, my God, we Israel know you. Israel has spurned the good. The enemy shall pursue him. They made kings, but not through me. They set up princes, but I knew it not. With their silver and gold, they made idols for their own destruction. I have spurned your calf, O Samaria. My anger burns against them. How long will they be incapable of innocence? For it is from Israel. A craftsman made it. It is not God. The calf of Samaria shall be broken to pieces. Mm-hmm. For they sow the wind and they shall reap the whirlwind. The standing grain has no heads. It yield. It shall yield no flower. F-L-O-U-R. Flower. And if, and if were to yield, strangers would devour it. Israel is swallowed up. Already they are among the nations as a useless vessel. Amen. Beloved, now that's telling, okay? Because the Lord is telling Israel, as you go off a whoring, a whoring to these other countries, they care nothing about you. 
to them, you are nothing more than a useless vessel. They are using you for all of your treasures, all of your gold. They are using you. Wake yourselves up. I got you, Lord. Wake up. They are using you. Amen. Verse 9. For they have gone up to Assyria, a wild donkey wandering alone. Israel, I'm sorry, Ephraim has hired lovers. Though they hire allies among the nations, I will get I will soon gather them up, and the king and princes, princes shall soon ride because of the tribute, because Ephraim has multiplied altars for sinning. They have become to him altars for sinning. I love verse 12 because you know what? Although God is breathing out his judgment, when when you know him personally and when he says certain things, not that it's funny, but you do see the irony in it all right look verse 12 he's saying this about Israel okay because as we well know they were stubborn they were obstinate the Lord gave them prophecy after prophecy warning after warning day after day and yet they still went a whoring with these other countries right I mean other nations well countries so listen Verse 12, the Lord said, in frustration about what's going on, were I to write for him my laws by the ten thousands, they would be regarded as a strange thing. Mm -hmm. Listen, the Lord is like, listen, I can give him a billion laws, a trillion commandments to keep. And yet they will look at me like I got two heads. I'm telling you, this, listen, as I studied the word of God, this is how I interpret it and break it down to everyday reasoning, okay? How many times in the natural have you told someone, let's say a child, you done told the boy 10,000 times, when you leave the bathroom, turn off the light, put away the stuff. And you tell them over and over and over and over again. You even express to them the light bill of which they have no regard. They could care whatever about a light bill. And so for the 10,000th time that week, you tell them again, turn off the lights. And they look at you. They look at you as if this is the first they, they've ever heard you say that. Well, mom, you never told me to turn off the light. And I'm like, boy, this is all I'm telling you. Every time you leave the bathroom, turn the light off. And just like the Lord, they regard this as a strange thing. Amen. So verse 13, as for my sacrificial offerings they sacrifice meat and eat it but the lord does not accept them now he will remember okay here we go 
now he will remember their iniquity and punish their sins. They shall return to Egypt. Okay, I heard that, Lord. Okay, since they want Egypt so bad, okay, I'm going to allow y'all to go. Not that he's given the right hand of fellowship to them that they can just go on. Get ahead. No, this is a judgment by allowing them to go. He's telling them they are going to be punished for their sins and he will remember it all. Okay, I got something. I got something for you over there in Egypt. Go on. Go ahead. Go. Mm hmm. I got you, though. Mm -hmm. So, verse 14, for Israel has forgotten his maker and built palaces and Judah has multiplied fortified cities. So, I will send a fire upon his cities and it shall devour her strongholds. Amen. See? See what happens. Why are we stoking the anger of the Lord whom saved us? Why are we stoking his anger by going to others? Even going to our own understanding about this life. Let us not forget he is our creator. Yes. The one who stepped out of heaven on your behalf while we were sinners, yet Christ died for us. And so, now that you are in the family, you still believe that you can depend on this world for your, for your well-being. Again, yes, some of us are still working in the world and we get a paycheck. We must be good stewards over that paycheck because it was God who, who allowed us to have that job in the first place. While there, we are not to be participants of the worldly current culture. That's the difference. And the Lord provides our sustenance by allowing us to have a job that generates income, whether it be your own business or you are a worker bee. Our priority nonetheless should be on the kingdom, how to, how to live right, how to live holy, and not trusting and depending on man. Because let us not forget what Jeremiah was telling us. The man who trusts in man is cursed. Why? Because relying on human power or one's own resources will result in negative consequences in this life and eventually eternal death. Amen. Because Proverbs fourteen twelve says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. Amen. So, beloved, let me leave you with this one sentiment. Those who trust in the Lord are blessed. 
all their days with his love, care, peace, protection, guidance, provision, and the exceedingly great hope of eternal life is for the one who places their trust, place their whole lives in the hands of the one who created said life. Amen. Amen. Father, in the name of Christ Jesus, we repent of any time that we have placed our faith in man, whether we did it on purpose or we didn't realize that that's what we were actually doing. Please forgive us, Lord. Isaiah 43, 2. You promise us. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. Amen. Isaiah 26, 3. You keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Amen. Nahum 1 7. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. <laughs> Amen. He knows those who take refuge in him. Amen. Psalm 28 7. The Lord, the Lord is my strength and my shield. In him, my heart trusts, and I am helped. My heart exalts, and with my song, I give thanks to him. Amen. Father, we have complete confidence that when we put our faith and trust in you, we don't have to worry about our lives. We don't have to chase after what the pagans chase after because it is a penalty that's attached to go a whoring in this world just like judgment came on Israel well judgment comes on us too when we do exactly that may we wake up to the reality that our priority is seeking the kingdom of God and all of your righteousness. Teach us how to be holy. Show us what it means to be consecrated unto you. Train us. <clears throat> train us in righteousness. We want to learn. Show us through your word. Give us understanding of what it means to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us, strengthen us to pick up our cross daily, to deny ourselves and follow Jesus. And may we find contentment in doing that and not grow weary in doing what is good. But always remember, time is running out. The day of judgment is fastly approaching and it will begin first in the house of the Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you. 
for it all. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, beloved. Well, there we have it. Repent and believe. Stop sinning and turn back to God. Do not be deceived. Bad company will corrupt your good morals. Arise to righteousness. Come to your senses as you ought to and stop sinning. Amen. Amen. Study 1 Corinthians 15, 33 to 34. And Lord willing, I shall be speaking to you all soon. Bye for now. Thank you guys for tuning in. I truly appreciate all your support. Until next time, I'll be talking to y'all soon. Bye.